A successful retirement plan begins with assembling the right set of tools. Finding the proper ones for the job will allow you to drill down on your goals and nail down your future. Scott Searles, certified wealth strategist and owner of Skybox Financial Group, constructs retirement plans for clients every day and will share that knowledge and insight with you. It's time to open the retirement toolbox and get to work. It's another edition of the Retirement Toolbox. Walter Storholt with you alongside Scott Searles, financial advisor and president of Skybox Financial Group, serving you in the greater Cleveland area with an office in Strongsville. Also has a location in Bradenton, Florida. To our southern listeners, glad you're with us today. You can find us online at skyboxfinancialgroup.com. Find past episodes of the show, subscription links to on your favorite apps, and much more. Uh, it's the Retirement Toolbox. And Scott, great to be with you once again, sir. Yeah, Walter, great to be with you. I, uh, I'm about done with winter up here in Cleveland. Now it's you got uh, you got to hold on a little longer, my friend. I know, get another month and a half or so, but uh, yeah, that's the way it is every year with me. It's like I love the season changes. I love when winter gets started, but winter started kind of early for us. I mean, we had big snow beginning of December, and and you know, I think that first big snow we had was more snow than we had all last year. <laughs> so you know, it started off early, and but you know, every year. By the time you know we're getting close to the end of January, I'm I'm about I'm about done with winter and uh, I'm ready to move on. Definitely February is my least favorite weather month because it's usually cold and snowy up here in Cleveland, and uh, and I'm definitely done with it at that point in time. Sort of that last gasp of uh, of winter just kind of drags on a little bit. So we'll see if we can find some ways to brighten your brighten your February with a good show today. How about that? Well, at least the good thing is I get to go down to the Florida office and throw on a t-shirt and drive with my windows open See? it's funny down in florida though people it's like 60 something degrees and uh you know people think you're crazy you're driving with your windows open right. i got shorts they're all bundled up it's like man i just came Ooh, from a freezer <laughs> <laughs> that's how i always felt um when we would uh when we would travel with the uh with the basketball team when i did play-by-play for several years i was the shorts guy i was always wearing shorts whenever we'd get on the plane and travel somewhere and the girls would all just be completely bundled up in every every uh, you know piece of clothing that they owned, and it didn't matter where we were traveling—Boston College or Miami, anywhere in between. I'd usually be in my shorts and a t-shirt. I mean, if we went to Boston College, I might have a jacket available to throw on, but it's right. not like I was going to throw it on just to walk four feet from the plane to the bus that was there to pick us up. That was all heated up, you know what I mean? Right. And uh, so they would always make fun of me for being being that shorts guy, no matter no matter where we went. But the girls, <laughs> we could be in the Bahamas for a tournament and the girls would be, you know, wearing their long, their long jumpers and, you know, sweatshirts and that kind of thing. Yep. Yep. Something about being young and in shape. Maybe they just, they didn't, they just are, they stay colder. Maybe something like that. I don't maybe know. because I'm definitely not young and in shape. So <laughs> too funny. <laughs> well, we've got a great show on the way today. We're going to talk about lifestyles. I think this will be fun. We're going to take a little sidestep from talking about just the financial stuff on today's episode and talk a little bit about what kind of retirement lifestyle do people tend to slide into or or, or plan to get into in retirement? And hopefully mm-hmm. that'll get you thinking about what kind of lifestyle you desire and want to execute in retirement. And we can talk about some of the financial elements of those decisions and those layouts. But I think that should be some fun to do that on today's show. We're also going to get a question from Barrett. Barrett's got questions about what 2021 is going to bring after the crazy 2020 that we had. So some specifics on his question coming up a little bit later on and why 
did Scott name his kids what he named him? That'll be kind of fun yeah. to get to know Scott a little bit better with yeah. that question on today's show. And we'll have a movie or TV show to review at the end as well. Uh, but let's kick it off with what's your retirement lifestyle? Have you thought about what it's going to be like in retirement? What about you, Scott, personally? Have you already kind of been uh, dabbling in that mindset? I have a feeling with the Florida office, we've talked about this before, you're already kind of like hedging your bets that that's the direction you guys may may kind of go in retirement. Well, you know what? It's so far off for me at this point. I mean, having an 11-year-old, it's like I tell clients. It doesn't like, feel close, does it? <laughs> no, you you know you got me for 10 plus years because I'm not, I mean, I got to get my- Got to get him through my, college uh, too. So really, a 15-ish, yes. right? <laughs> so uh, I'll be doing this for quite some time. But yeah, you I mean, I think everybody naturally kind of thinks about it, right? You go somewhere on a trip, you're like, oh, it'd be nice. And there's so many, you know- there's so many options, and everybody is so different. And retirement planning's not all about finances and money. You know, you need to consider, and you know, I've said this many times before. You need to think about what your life is going to be. You know, now in lifestyle, you know, think about the fact that let's just say, you know, a husband and wife has been working. They both retire. Now they see each other for twelve hours a day every day. You know, I have clients that decide they want to go back to work just part-time, maybe working at the depot or something, not because they financially need to, but just because they want to have something to do. So lifestyle is is a huge part of retirement planning. That's a really great point. And uh, yeah, it is something that maybe we dream about for a long period of time. Now, some people have spent a lot of time thinking about it. Others maybe haven't narrowed it down just yet. Others slide into some of these lifestyles accidentally. Others you know, plan for these things out in advance. Whatever the reasons are, we're going to look at some of the different lifestyles that we often see and talk about uh, some of the financial things to consider if you're going to try and live out one of these particular situations. So first, we have the two-house solution. So these are the folks that want to do the live half the year in one place, half in the other. Um, What people typically need to know? Do you have clients who do this? What do they need to know about splitting their time? I'm sure there's maybe some tax considerations in setups like this. And also like buying versus renting that second yeah. home. I know there's a debate that surrounds that. Yeah, I have a lot of clients that do this exact same thing. You know, maybe come October, they're heading down south or they're heading, you know, out west. I have people that, you know, do this in Florida, do it in Arizona. They spend part of the year in the warmer climate, the weather, you know, when it, when it's cold here and they move back. And there are a lot of things to consider. And, and one of them that you, you really mentioned are, is the buying versus running. Uh, and I've had this conversation a lot with, with, with my clients and it really does depend on your particular situation. For a lot of people, running actually makes a lot of sense. But you've got availability of being where you want, being able to rent something that's nice in the area that you want. I have clients that go down to Mexico, and they do this for like two months a year and just rent a house for two months uh, down in Mexico. The issue, though, is you lose when you rent, you lose some of that flexibility. You have to, if you're deciding you're going to be gone during the holidays and then come back and you're, you're paying the rent something that you aren't there. So there's pros and cons to buying the house and renting the house. It's all going to depend on what your particular situation looks like and what you, how long you're going to be down there. A lot of people like to buy the house saying, hey, you know what? When I eventually leave this earth, my kids can have that house. It'll be paid for and they can use that as a vacation house that they can go and use with their kids. So 
you know, there's a lot of different things to look about besides just the money uh, when it comes to that two-house solution. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, my parents are kind of in this mode. They, they've had a lifelong dream to live in Maine for half the year, but they don't want to be up there during the... Well, my dad would stay up there all months of the year. He loves the cold and snow and all that good stuff. But my mom's like, eh. right. I, I, as much as I also don't like the heat, I don't want to be in like negative 30 degree temperatures all the time. So it's just like maybe for at least a couple of months out of the year, we come back to North Carolina and so, you know, they're trying to figure out how do we make this work with, a two, you know, two houses? Do we rent one? Do we get a condo, you know, where right. we live now in North Carolina and, you know, get a house up in Maine or vice versa and buy one, rent one? So they're trying to figure all that out. Do we, we try and get Walter to, you know, buy, <laughs> buy one with us and then it can be his later on down the line? Right. Uh, it's like, yeah, we'll talk about those things maybe a little later on, mom and dad, and try and figure those things out. But got, well, got my own know, house to worry about first, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, br- you bring up a good point, though, is that, first of all, husband and wife need to agree on all these things, right? right. And that's not always easy for everybody to do. I know my wife, you know, I don't know if she would ever live down in Florida full time because she's afraid of getting eaten by an alligator. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, so that's been a conversation of ours. You know, but the other thing, like you said, is is I recommend usually for people just rent for a little while. First couple years, go down and rent and take your time. See if you find something that you want. See if you like and enjoy that lifestyle first before you go head on in and, and buy something. Yeah, it's a great point, Scott. And so that's a really, really big one. The two-house solution, popular, but comes with uh, lots of decisions to make about that particular one. Now, we probably all know somebody who falls into this next category, Scott, the RV life, the folks who dream their whole lives about loading up the RV and hitting the open road. My thing is, is that sustainable, right? Like, I've known people who have done it for a whole year, and then Mm -hmm. that's it. Like, they've done the dream and they move on. I don't know of many people who like truly just lean into it, and that's their true retirement lifestyle. So it's more of like an extended long vacation at the beginning of retirement maybe is how it usually takes shape. What, what have you seen? Yeah, you know, I've, see, I've actually seen this a lot where people want to do this RV lifestyle. A couple of things, I've, you know, I think I'd be into this, right? I, I've never really traveled out west that much, seen the Grand Canyon and you can go around and hit the hit the kids if they're if they're not living in in your area, and you can go stay with them for a bit, and then drive out here. A couple things, first of all, to point out that you have to be careful about the RV. All right, I have one client that bought this big, long, you know, one of those big ones that look like a buses, right? The whole fancy thing, right? They bought an RV and they were using it for years. But then he got sick and they go to try to sell this thing and they took a bath on it because they don't hold their value very well. They lose it really fast. They lose it really fast. So if you're going to buy something, you have to be aware of that, especially the bigger ones. I'm sure the depreciation is less on the smaller ones, but those big bad boys, you could really end up you know, losing some cash on that, on buying that big RV if you don't like it. So again, very similar to the two house thing. I tell people, hey, you know, just rent something. There's a bunch of places you can rent really nice RVs and, you know, rent the thing for six months and drive all, travel all over. If you want to do it again, then, then maybe think about buying something. But I think that's, this reminds me of my dad. My dad always, he joked, but I think partially it was, uh, probably something he wouldn't mind, is he wanted to buy a fair fry truck and travel the carnival circuit when he retired selling fair fries. 
<laughs> what? Yeah, it's what he always said. He says, "Yeah, I'm gonna when I retire, I'm gonna get a a fair fry truck, and I'm gonna travel the carnival circuit and sell fries." Wow. My mom shot that down right away, but. Uh, <laughs> Oh, pull, we, we all have pull our into dreams. a new town, and and there's the fry truck. There you go, Glenn's fries. Whatever. That's one way to do it. Wow, I don't know how to recover from that one. That was great. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it, everyone has a different way of going around and seeing those towns, right? You just need the excuse to bounce around. So, like for some, it's seeing all the major league baseball parks in the country, yeah. something like that. It's it's a good excuse to just visit and go places, all the national parks, you know, those kinds of things. Yep, all good goals. I think the RV life sounds really awesome to do for a year or so. Um, actually, my wife and I, I don't know how serious our talk was. But kind of during the pandemic and near the beginning of it, after the reality was settling in for how long we might be in for uh, with this whole thing, we had talked about, you know, boy, if you hadn't have just gotten a job, we could do something like that. Since everybody in the world is working from home, we'll, we'll load up like a 5G signal or something on the RV and go travel around in it. I'll do my interviews, you know, during the day and do, do my work, but we'll be in cool places all over the country. And we talked about doing it kind of like using the pandemic as an opportunity to just like, do something really different, you know, but yeah, she, she had just started a new job. So it was kind of unrealistic, obviously at that point, but it was fun. Yeah, and you guys about. don't have kids. That'll be the time to do it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, I, I'm not saying I'm not grateful that she got the job when she did, cause we certainly are grateful for that, but it was kind of like, well, if you hadn't have gotten the job, we could have had some flexibility to do something cool like that, but that's all good. It was just interesting that it popped into our minds and it may be something that pops in again, but it might be more of a retirement thing. So kind of an interesting Absolutely. one to think about. All right, let's go a different direction. We have people who have uh, the dream of the front porch in retirement. Now, that's sort of the old school, sitting on the, the porch, sipping sweet tea in retirement kind of lifestyle. But uh, people still in some way, shape, or form want to kind of do some of that, right? Sit on the front porch and uh, relax yeah. and just have a, a more chill lifestyle. Yeah, don't forget it's unsweet tea for the people up north. That's true. Yeah, There's no either. sweet tea up here. That's right. Uns- unsweet tea or sweet tea, one of the two, depending yeah. on where you are. But you know what? I have a lot of people like to do this, but you know what? It This does seem like it gets old for a lot of people pretty quickly. You know, you do get bored and you have to think about that physical activity thing too. If it's so important when you're retired that your lifestyle involves you having a lot of physical activity. So sometimes just, you know, being stagnant and chilling out on the on the front porch, sipping your sweet or unsweet tea, you know, it sounds great. And a lot of people do that in the beginning. And then Maybe they'll switch on to another retirement lifestyle that they fall into. It's from a financial planning standpoint, it's a cheap way to go, right? <laughs> that makes it easier to plan for. You're right. You just yeah, got to have a sweet tea or an unsweet tea budget. You got it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, and then, you know, you're just hanging out at home. But it, it does get old, and you need to kind of realize that. You got to start supplementing that front porch lifestyle, I think, with other stuff. Yeah, that's where having some hobbies and uh, other things to do, even if you're not going to travel and go and do all these other cool things, doesn't come into the equation. This is one of those ones where it's fine if that's the goal, but uh, still stimulate your mind, uh, you know, stimulate physical activities and uh, those kinds of things to keep, keep you sharp. You don't want to deteriorate in retirement. This one's a popular one as well. I would think, Scott, people want to move to a college town in retirement these days. It makes them feel young again to be around, you know, the youth. And uh, they get to also maybe get access to good health care at big college towns, perhaps, and other Mm -hmm. benefits in terms of, you know, lifestyle and activity. Yeah, I don't actually get this one a lot, but I think people move to 
you know, when they do retire and they do their lifestyle, I think that by default, sometimes they happen to be college towns that they move into. If they're larger cities, you know, that they move into. I can see the draw of it, though. I mean, like you said, you know, it makes you feel younger. There's a lot of activity, a lot of stuff going on. There's sports teams, not only with the college, but sometimes they're in, you know, sometimes bigger cities with other sports teams, too. Uh, I can see the draw in that. Yeah, I, I I am in tune with this one because when I did college basketball and college sports broadcasting, I saw this a lot. A lot of the fans, the diehards that I interacted with a lot were retirees and they had mm-hmm. specifically moved to go to the college to, uh, you know, their alma mater in a lot of the cases so that they could attend all the sporting events and they go to everything. Mm-hmm. They go to the soccer games, the volleyball games, they get mm-hmm. season tickets to everything and that's their, that's their entertainment. They go to all the games all the time and uh, they love being, you know, reconnected maybe with the alma mater and that kind of thing. So. I could see myself doing that, but I don't know if my wife would buy in too yeah. much to that. You know, the other thing, too, is, is that, you know, I think about that. You know, here in Strongsville, you know, we still go to the high school football games. We don't have any kids that are at the high school or playing in, in football or even all of our friends' kids have graduated now. But, you know, you still enjoy just going to do that. Yeah, I miss I miss high school football. I do miss uh, going and to the local games and that kind of thing. That'll be fun when we have a a kid eventually get to that age down the line and uh, get to experience that again. May have to go to some games after COVID's all done and things get kicked back up again uh, yep. to you know just reconnect with that a little bit. That's I think in the fall we'll be good. Yeah, I think you're right. By next fall, we'll, yeah. be, we'll be back to at least some measure of normality, I hope. Yeah. Uh, our next category in this retirement lifestyle conversation is just simply Florida. <laughs> nothing else really needs to be said, right? Like, that's definitely a popular one. The place is growing like crazy. I mean, everybody, New Yorkers moving down there, and uh, people from all over are moving down there, and it's just growing. And, you know, Florida's, I mean, I like Florida. I, I would probably lean to do this one. Everybody gives Florida such a hard time, you know, the Florida man, you know, and, and of course, anything crazy is going to happen in Florida. And, you know, Florida's the swamp of the country, but everybody loves Florida. When you go down there, how can you not? I mean, I enjoy going down there, you, you know, whether you're sitting at the beach, the weather's nice. It does get hot in the summer. So if you're going to do, you know, a lot of the people that do the two house solution, go down there in the winter and, you know, back home or somewhere else in, in the summer, because it does get hot down there. And it's not that it's any hotter than, like, for instance, Cleveland or, or other places. I mean, we all are in the 90s. But, you know, the humidity's high. And, and you know, that's, that starts to wear on people. But you know what? There's so many activities to down there to do. There's a lot of retirement communities, you know, the villages. I got a bunch of clients in the villages that were from up here. You know, it, it, so you can get with in a nice retirement community. You can do outdoor activities all year long. You can do it with a, a group of friends that you meet. Uh, so there's a lot of attractions and a lot of good good stuff and, you know, activities to do down there. Great points, uh, Scott. And uh, I, I've enjoyed Florida. I will say October was perfect. Um, August was really hot. <laughs> yep. so I'm, I understand that side of it for sure. Uh, then we have the golf lifestyle. This is another one where the debate might happen between the husband and wife on going this direction, but a lot of people want to get that house on the golf course and do nothing but golf every day. It's such a popular hobby and activity. Yeah, you have to watch it. It does get a little pricey, though, when we're doing our financial planning. 
that's something you know we definitely need to price in not only the cost of the house if you don't already live on a golf course because they have a tendency to be a little bit more expensive but your greens fees and your club memberships and all that stuff you know you very easily you could have thousand dollars a month in uh you know in golf expenses and uh in some places that would be on the low end and and that's just for for one person sometimes so yeah, I mean, that's very popular. It's a great lifestyle. You just got to be aware of the cost, too. And you always got to get the newest clubs and clothes and, you know, everything that goes along with that lifestyle. That's a great point. So much to think about when it comes to determining your retirement lifestyle. And let's get to one last example here, Scott. And this one isn't necessarily a location or a place, but back to that true word of lifestyle. And that's following a passion. And that could be a second career or time spent volunteering. But kind of any of these things or places or activities you choose to do, you can also kind of work in some of these passions and hobbies that you might have wanted to always pursue in life. Yeah, you know what? I this is an extremely popular one, and you can combo them with other ones too, right? You can move down to Florida and follow your passion, or you can do two houses and follow your passion, RV, whatever. You know, you you can kind of combo this up with everything. And you know, I know for myself, you know, I wouldn't mind retiring and woodworking or making furniture, right? I kind of enjoy that stuff. But there's I have clients that makes birdhouses, dog beds. I have a bunch of clients that volunteer. They they do the things that they kind of wish they they didn't have time when they were working, and they and they and do it, and it keeps them busy. So following your passion's a big one, and you can combo that up with any of the others too. All great points. And if you have questions about how to achieve your retirement lifestyle. Don't hesitate to reach out to Scott to ask those questions that might be on your mind. Scott can do a complimentary financial review and consultation with you to see where you stand right now and what you need to improve going forward with your financial plan. You can call 888-742-0111. That's 888-742-0111. Or go to skyboxfinancialgroup.com. You can find the tax-free retirement toolkit there. You can uh, get the Worry-Free Retirement Blueprint, lots of great resources and information, as well as past shows available to you there. We'll also put a link in the description of today's show to talktoscott.com, where you can schedule your free consult in just a couple of clicks of the mouse or your finger if you're using your smartphone. That's talktoscott.com, all easy ways to get in touch and uh, learn how to achieve that dream retirement lifestyle that you've been thinking about. It's getting to know you time. All right, it's time to get to know Scott a little bit better on today's show. My fun question for you this time around, Scott, we know that you have a couple of kids. What led to their names? Why did you choose the names that you chose for your kids? Well, yeah, as everybody knows, I've got four beautiful daughters. And, uh, you know, a funny thing we did with the names, and you know, admittedly, my wife was much more in charge of this than I was. I I had ideas, and you know, they they didn't really fly too well. But what we did is we had unique first names, but the middle names were all there for a reason. So, for instance, my twins, my oldest, Hannah Marie. You know, Marie was my wife's mother's middle name. Uh, her twin sister Molly Ann. My mom's name was Marianne. My third daughter, Lauren Emma. Emma was my wife's grandmother's middle name. And lastly, Ellie Lynn, spelled L-I-N, is how uh, my wife's aunt's first name is Lynn. 
spelled like that. So we kind of went with the middle name kind of thing and went with the family tradition with that and then did kind of, you know, picked our own first names and went with the middle name. So that's kind of how we rolled with it. I also like that all four names sort of work as like the double names if you wanted to go that route, right? Like Hannah Marie was that was that Hannah's yep. middle name? Yeah. Yep. Like it's kind of a nice like it could you could just call her Hannah Marie. Like it's a nice so, you know, some people do those like double names like that for your for your first name. You just set it up so that the first and middle name flow all very nicely. I thought that was another common thread through them. And I use them all the time like that. Usually Dude. when I'm yelling at when them. When you're yelling. Lauren Emma, right. get over here. <laughs> Molly Ann, what are you thinking? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's a good strategy. You don't even need the last name at that point. No, no. Because you, you've already no. you've pre-planned that to be good execution there. So, yep. Very nice. That's good. Uh, one more question. Did you tell people what you were going to name the kids ahead of time, or did you wait until they were born to tell people? Yeah, no, we weren't too secretive about this okay. thing, and there was none of those cool gender reveal things where you pop balloons with pink and stuff like that. You know, you know we were just, uh, my wife was just, especially with the twins, you know, we kind of blew it right away, right? Because, uh, you know, we, we started with two kids. We never had one child, so we started with two. And, you know, when my wife was pregnant with twins, she was just about done. So she wasn't up for any uh, type of suspenseful, what we're going to name them type of stuff. And, and we knew we knew the gender ahead of time. We were never surprised. And, and uh, it's, that started with the twins because you have to have so many extra tests and so many different things that, you know, we're always having extra ultrasounds and all these other things. And, you know, we just, we, we were never real secretive about any of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I've heard from some folks say don't tell anybody because then everybody's going to give you their opinion on the name and it's a lot easier to ignore them when, you know, once the baby's there, then it's like, okay, no one's going to say anything bad about the name now. So <laughs> they know yeah, they're not no, going to change your mind. Yeah, we really never had any issues like that. Well, that's it's good. Like, this is, we're you must calling. have a good support system then. Yeah, yeah, we do. <laughs> Well, that's very good. Excellent. Uh, well, there you go. Getting to know Scott a little bit better on today's show. Now it's time to answer one of your questions. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. Today's mailbag question comes to us from Barrett. And here it is, Scott. Barrett says, I'm worried about what 2021 will bring after how crazy 2020 was. Is there a way I can stay out of the craziness of the market and still get prepared for retirement? You know what, Barrett, I get this question just about every day of my life. Uh, so it's a very, very, very common question. And yeah, 2020 was a complete mess, right? We had market volatility, we had present elections, we had viruses, you know, we had all sorts of, of unrest and all sorts of craziness happening. And you know, everybody that's been in my conference room sees I have a crystal ball sitting in my conference room, and it's got an out-of-order sign on it because we don't know. We can't predict the future. Markets are driven by news. We can't predict the news, thus we can't predict the markets. But one thing I can tell you is that you know, history tells us certain steadfast rules that we can stick with. We know equities give us the best return over the long term. Interest rates are extremely low right now. There's a chance inflation starts creeping in and we get a little bit higher interest rates later in the year. But what you need to do is when it comes to retirement, like I said uh, several times on this podcast, is that when you know what return you need to earn in order to meet your goals, you can then set that portfolio risk level to an appropriate level to be able to meet your goals. So you don't have to take more risk 
than you need to to get to retirement and or you don't want to under invest and not grow your money enough to be able to meet your goals. So I think having that plan, knowing what return you're going to need in order to satisfy your retirement goals is going to be step one. And then you develop that portfolio that's diversified and mixed among different investments in order to reduce that volatility. And to get a little nerdy, I try not to get too nerdy on these shows, but you know, you you want to watch your standard deviation and your sharp ratio. Those are the things that are going to be the most important for you in retirement. And that's a measure of your volatility and how much return you're getting in you know, how much reward you're really getting in return for taking that volatility. So it's all just getting that portfolio structured properly. So maybe you don't have to really have a lot of money in the markets in order to meet your retirement goals. But maybe you need to take a little bit more risk than you think you do to be able to meet your retirement goals. So step one is scheduling that 15-minute phone call with me and I can get an idea of your situation and see uh, how I may be able to help you. It's uh, easy to get in touch with Scott if you do have those questions. One more time, the ways to get in touch are to call 888-742-0111. That's 888-742-0111. Or go online to skyboxfinancialgroup.com where you can access more episodes of this show and uh, interact with Scott in lots of different ways and check out great resources like the tax-free retirement toolkit where you can learn how to live a worry-free retirement and pay as little in taxes as possible. And you can also go to talktoscott.com if you want to go straight to scheduling a visit with Scott and the team from your smartphone or computer. That's talktoscott.com. And we'll put all that info in the description of today's show so it's easy for you to find. Very good question, Barrett. Thank you for sending that one in to us here on the Retirement Toolbox. Just sitting at home with nothing to do. All right, favorite part of the show, we wrap things up by talking about movies and TV shows that have been on our agenda over the last couple of weeks and that we think you might enjoy or ones to stay away from, although we tend to seem to have pretty positive reviews for the most part here, Scott. Uh, What's been on the tube for you lately? Yeah, Walter, I only watch good TV shows, just so you know. Yeah, you don't let bad TV into the house, right? That's right. Well, now that we got trailers, too, we can watch trailers, though they can be kind of deceiving. All right, this is not a show I watched, but I'm going to talk about a one I watched. But I, I, we had HBO Max. You know, they came out with the HBO Max. We always had HBO because they had some good shows we, we like to watch on there. And so when HBO Max came out, which is kind of their separate service, but you get it if you subscribe to HBO, We got that. And the one show that I'm going to talk about, Murder on Middle Beach, is on HBO Max. And and it's really good. It's kind of my wife kind of draws me into these murder mystery kind of documentaries. And that's what this is. It's about a, a woman that was murdered in Connecticut. And she was, uh, you know, of course, the husband is the first, you know, suspect. And he was the ex CEO of Southern Energy the big electric company, and but she was also involved in these things called gifting tables, which I had never heard of before, but it's apparently these women's social clubs where women would spend $5,000 to join the club, and it was like a big pyramid scheme. So she was murdered, and, and it goes through all... Her son is doing a documentary, and that's basically what this show is, her son making this documentary. And then this is his documentary that he made. So it, it's good. I, if you like that type of stuff, that murder, mystery, real life kind of stuff, it's good. So that's my movie review for the podcast. 
But what I wanted to also say is we saw this, I was talking about trailers. We saw this show called Mr. Pickle or Discovering Mr. Pickle or something like that. And it was like the weirdest looking show. And we're like, I don't know. We watched the trailer and it's got Seth Rogen in it and he plays himself and this guy that's like 100 years old that was preserved in pickle brine. What? Or Mr. Something. Pickle, yeah. you said? Something, yeah, something Mr. Pickle. Anyway, it looked hilarious. <laughs> but I would have never watched that show if I hadn't watched that trailer. But it, because it, I like Seth Rogen, I think he, he's great. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> that. That's my two cents for the podcast. Nice. That's very good. Um, I'll, th- I'll throw out two uh, on this one, just because if I wait too long, I-, I won't be able to squeeze these in at some point. I th- may have mentioned it a long time ago, Virgin River uh, on Netflix. We watched the first season a while back, and they just came out with the second season um, at like the beginning of December, I want to say. And uh, it was really good. It was just as good as the first season. And it is not the typical show no. that I would watch, Scott. It's, no. You, you've seen no. it? No. Uh, You're not My a fan? wife watched like all that, and I would like it, – it's it's like kind of – It's I very soap opera-ish. It in is. The, in it's the like pacing. too much drama and everybody mm-hmm. in a small town sleeping with each other. It's just – you got to like that. It, it's not my kind of thing. I don't – maybe it's because the main character is a nurse practitioner and my wife is a nurse practitioner. So that was the thing that drew us in to start with. And then it's in a pretty setting and location. And I, yeah. it, that probably is what hooked us into it. But now we're – it's one of those shows where once you get hooked, you're, you're hooked. You know, it's like people who uh, get hooked on a Hallmark movie and then you just can't turn away, even though you know it's not the greatest television in the world. Right, um, right. So anyway, uh, we really enjoyed it, but I, I figured that might not be your cup of tea. <laughs> and then uh, Lennox Hill is the other one that we started watching. We haven't finished. And it's a, it's a medical show, so it follows a group of doctors who are at a like smaller hospital that's trying to grow and get bigger and compete with other big hospitals. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just kind of follows their journey. And it's, uh, it's like a team, the neurosurgery department, I believe. So it's all the brain surgeries and you know brain problems. And it just follows very intimately both the doctor's stories and the patient's stories, the good and the bad and, and what they're all going through. And it's been very interesting so far. So we're a couple of episodes into that. Kind of like uh, a Grey's Anatomy kind of thing? No, it's a documentary. So, I mean, it's, oh, it's, 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 it's all real life. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's following them around and um, talks about what they're, what they're going through. But it's kind of cool because you get to see both the doctor's emotions and what they deal with, the patients and their families and their side of things. But then you also get some behind the scenes of like the doctors negotiating with higher ups at the hospital for more funding and trying to like get more equipment so that they can compete. And you get to see the doctors arguing with each other over, hey, I need more resources. Well, that's going to take resources away from me. So you kind of get a, a peek into all of those different uh, different elements. And I think the, huh. the like with any show, the personalities really make it. And um, it's got a lot of good personalities in the show. Well, that sounds good. What yeah. what what is that on? It's it's on Netflix. Yeah. Okay. Lennox Hill. Sometimes those medical shows are hit and miss. You know, sometimes they're done really well done. Sometimes they're not as interesting. I find this one to be to be pretty good. All right. Good. So, I'll have to yeah. check that out. Check it out. Those are those are two. So, Virgin River sounds like you've already nixed nixed that one. But uh, hey, L- it's not my Lennox cup of Hill. tea. Throw Lennox Hill in there if you haven't done a good uh, medical show in a while. Those are the recommendations this time around. Something like about pickles and Seth Rogen, and uh... <laughs> I've not watched it though, but it looks oh, very okay. good. All right, so you're, yes. just, you're, you're theorizing yes. that it would be pretty good. Yeah, very some good. Mr. Pickles or something. There you have it. 
the movie and TV review. Always fun to wrap up with that here on the Retirement Toolbox. Scott, thanks for the help this week. I know we're going into your least favorite month of February coming up, but we'll be there alongside you to get you through it. I'll be I'll be cheery and happy next podcast. Don't worry. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> For Scott Searles, I'm Walter Storholt. We'll talk to you next time right back here on the Retirement Toolbox. Go Cavs. Investment advisory services provided by Skybox Asset Management, LLC.